This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan And we are coming to you on a Wednesday evening. The Cubs are still off as we await the official beginning of the second half of the Major League season. We are going to spend this episode looking at the Cubs position players. We're going to look back at the first half of the season, maybe talk about some of our favorite moments, and then we are going to, you know, just kind of go back over and review what we saw from these guys in the first half. Some of the guys that are performing really well, some at career high levels, and some of the guys who have been a little more disappointing, and and just kind of remind y'all the lay of the land as we head into the second half beginning in earnest on Friday as the Cubs are at Wrigley Field against the Pirates, and then before they start up that series on Friday morning, we will drop another one that'll kind of just be a continuation of today's conversation uh, where we will look at the pitching staff, go over the starting rotation, take another look at the bullpen, and then, you know, do our usual series preview for the Cubs and Pirates. And uh, we saw the All-Star Game on Tuesday evening, uh, Javi and Wilson, of course, starting, KB coming off the bench. The Cubs did not have any hits in that game, but uh, not a lot of hits to go around for, for either team in that game with the American League winning once again. And it was a, a fun night. Javi obviously having some fun, letting his, his personality shine through. Wilson was rocking some pretty electric catcher's gear when he was in the field. And, you know, KB's just a beautiful human. So it was it was a nice <laughs> night. Good to see those boys represent the Cubs. And Brendan, I'll bring you in here. I, I was wondering if you can help me answer a question that I had when I was watching the of game. Um, when... The the Cubs were introduced, and this actually extended even to Aroldis Chapman, which might have to do with him just being a Yankee uh, as well as, as the Cubs connection, but when Wilson and Javi and KB were introduced prior to the game, mm-hmm. yeah. th- there was a lot of booze from the, pro- from, from the crowd yeah. at Progressive Field, which of course is in Cleveland where the Indians play, and I right. just couldn't figure out why. Do, do you know why there was such angst towards members of the Chicago Cubs from fans of the Cleveland Indians? You know, I was thinking about it, and then Wilson Contreras reminded all of us, and it's because they have, you know, this this shiny piece of jewelry on their fingers. Oh. That's right, Corey. They won the World Series in Cleveland. I think that's why. That makes sense, Brendan. That thank you for clearing that up. I, I really wasn't sure. Of I was like, wow, are they booing Chris Bryant? I I, I know was- I can't possibly imagine why they would be booing Chris Bryant. But you but, are. But you right. know what? I love. I love. Uh, I love Javi's reaction to that. He comes out of the dugout. You know, he hops. He does his whole like you know, 
double point finger wag out there. I loved it. He, Just an incredible uh, entrance to, to to the lineups. He loved was it. hamming it up for sure, and you know that that's that's like a you know my my wrestling fan in me connection where he would be a really good bad guy because he could hear the boos. They were raining down, and he's jumping around out there like he's let's laughing, hear it, everybody. Smiling. Come on, I love, I love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, the, the the reason that they were getting so many boos is of course the Cubs won the World Series on that very field they in did. Game yes, 7 after the, the Indians series, yeah. had a 3-1 lead in the series. Can you believe that, Brendan? Can't relate <sighs> to that, but... Can't relate. That was fun. Uh, I, I appreciate the salt coming from the the, the Indians fans and the, and the crowd at Progressive Field. I, I you know, and again, like you mentioned, uh, Wilson saying after the game, like I've got my ring at home. They can boo all they want. So you know that those three guys in particular were having fun with it. They they knew exactly why they were getting booed, uh, and I think that you know, obviously, they were the ones that came out on top. So I have to imagine that that feels pretty good insofar as boos can feel pretty good. I, I would think that that felt pretty good for those guys love that and as you guys know I I I take every opportunity to bring that up so the the Cubs playing an all-star game in progressive field was a gold mine for me uh just to let those comments out you know uh really anything I could like hey look Chris Bryant's back on the field where he fielded the ground ball and threw it to Rizzo to win the World Series isn't this great so fun being back in Cleveland. I'm 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 sure the city of Cleveland was really glad uh, to be reminded of this, like every every five minutes. But uh, my favorite, though, Brendan, was the the scoreboard was weirded all night. Uh, there there was a lot of spelling mistakes. At one point, I think they had Jacob Degrom's picture uh, when Jeff McNeil from the Mets was batting. So it was a weird kind of night for uh, the scoreboard operator there at the All Star game. But they they actually misspelled Wilson's name when he first came up to bat. They they forgot one of the L's, or they took one of the L's, if you will, which I thought was rather fitting because it's not the first time Wilson has given an L to the Cleveland Indians. And so I just thought it was fitting that the Indians took that L from his name, which is very reminiscent of the L that they took in the 2016 World Series. But Enough of that low-hanging fruit. Uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. I could we do, could go all day I could do that this. for an the hour, next, I swear. You know, next 30 minutes, that's all we could be doing. Absolutely. I could go into every little detail. I could do this for days. But we do want to get ready for the second half here. So obviously, we don't have oh any games to really recap. We are, we are just kind of setting the stage for the Cubs getting back on the field on Friday afternoon to start the second half. And as we, you know, have kind of been making clear over these last few episodes, the Cubs start the second half at 47 and 43. They will enter the, the field of play here a half a game in first place over the Brewers, but the entire division separated by less than five games. So it is tight. And I think obviously, and you, you know, you've heard this from management, the Joe Madden, guys like Chris Bryant, you know, these guys don't seem particularly thrilled with their performance. I think they all know that they can be playing better. I think they all know that they've given away a good chunk of games. And as I've personally said on here a lot, I think, uh, you know, I and the, the, the team themselves, and I think a lot of us, you know, whether you think that this team should be a- at the top of the league right now or not, I, I think 
most of us agree that this team should be better than uh, such a long stretch of 500 baseball. So that is kind of where we we find ourselves. We, we've gone over the very strong words from Jed Hoyer and, and Theo Epstein about how they're feeling about where the team is right now and how they're going to be approaching the next few weeks. And that is is pretty much where we want to set the stage and just kind of take a look at uh, who's been performing well, who hasn't been performing well, and what we want to see as, as the Cubs start playing baseball again in, in a day here. So I, I just wanted to start, Brendan, looking back on the first half. I know we, we, we've kind of broken down a lot of this in, in a lot of detail. We've We've harped on the position player depth and the lack of production at, at you know second base and center field, and we've gone over this a lot. But I, I do want to look back on the first half and and take a moment for positives. And <laughs> I I want to ask you if you had like an individual sure. game, an individual moment, just something that you know when we're talking about this first half of the 2019 season, you're you're going to remember that moment, you're going to remember that performance. And it doesn't get clouded by, you know, kind of this sense of, of panic or whatever that, that exists around the team right now, whether justified or not. I have two. The first one is Kyle Hendricks' 81-pitch complete game shutouts against the Cardinals. That will go down for me as one of the most memorable games of any regular season outing. More personal one uh, was probably the U Darvish tweet. Uh, just because my, my phone literally exploded for some reason I had no idea at the time. And I'm out to dinner with uh, you know some people from work, and an hour passes by, my phone just keeps vibrating, 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 but I don't want to be rude and go check it. I finally get out of the restaurant, and I get a message from you saying, hey, go, go check your Twitter out. And it's you, Darvish, basically correcting one of my pitch classifications when I said he threw an, a 93-mile-per-hour sinker, it was actually a splitter, as you, Darvish, corrected me. Yeah, that was a funny conversation because I remember texting you and being like, I don't know where you are, Brendan, but you got to look at your phone. <laughs> and you were like, man, I'm out. Like, can you just tell me what, like, what's going right. on? Like, I don't really have time for this. And I'm, you know, I just said, you, Darvish, is tweeting at you. And yeah, you I wrote you, me I back, like, okay, like, Corey, I'm, I'm doing something. Like, I'm in the middle of something. Like, I really don't have time for this. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, open Twitter, man. <laughs> uh, you'll, you, I'll talk to you later. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I think I have a couple. I, I think one of them certainly uh, is kind of that, the end of that Brewers series uh, in, what was that, May, at the, you know, May 12th. Uh, that's the one where they win. They take two of three at Wrigley Field. The the last game coming on Sunday Night Baseball. John Lester the picking up that win of the year. Yeah, John John Lester picking up that win, and uh, you know that was where he was at the top of the ERA leaderboard uh, after that game. So you know that was obviously just a. Uh, you know, to quote Chris Bryant once again, a super fun time for me as someone watching John Lester. And, you know, obviously he's had some blowups in between there, uh, still having a very nice season. But, you know, that that was just a, a good stretch for the team. It was good to come back and win that series with the Brewers. Uh, that was in that stretch where they were just riling off those series wins. John Lester was atop the MLB's leaderboard. And, you know, that was the game where I believe he qualified. So he was showing up on all those lists and stuff with his picture and everything. So that yeah, was just, you know, kind of like I'm feeling 
hyped about where we are, where this team is, and and how they're playing. So that was definitely one of them. Uh, you know, and and with uh, that series in L.A., I mean, that Rizzo homer off of Kenley Jensen was, you know, the 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 series doesn't turn out that well, obviously, but that was just one of those moments where you were just so desperate for a, a big hit and a, and a big win and Rizzo delivered it and yeah, so that was that just was like one. one of you know when I think back on this season just those real like visceral like yes kind of like were you fist at pumps. that game I was not at that game neither of us were at that right game. yeah I was gonna say I yeah. forgot if you went to that one no so <laughs> the only game they win we were not there of course uh, it's you know that's obviously how it would obviously <laughs> how, it, how it would turn out but um really yeah bad. that that was just a, a, a fun night that was obviously you know the night that that Darvish pitched really well there so that that was just a, a good night of Cubs baseball and you know, really, like they, you know, they've they've won some some close games, some late inning games, but that was one where like I really let out, like a you know big yell F when that yeah. homer got out, oh, yeah. like you oh, know yeah. f yes, yeah. like this is one of those moments. We so that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think that 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 stands out. Obviously, walk off week, the week where they, uh, you know. KB, Hayward, and Wilson all hit walk-offs that, you know, obviously walk-offs are fun. And, you know, I think those are moments that you always tend to remember where the guys are celebrating and they're screwing around with the Gatorade and the water and dancing in the clubhouse and stuff like that. Craig Kimbrell's debut was pretty yeah, good, Yeah, that was an electric with, with one. With Rizzo for diving sure. at first base, you have the fans kind of imitating Kimbrell out there with his wings. So that was a good one as well. Yeah, and I mean, just, just like to, to finish on those walk-offs, like— especially since 2015, like those, those moments are so special at Wrigley Field. And I, I've been fortunate enough to be there for a lot of them. I, I haven't been uh, at any of those this year, but I, you know, I just know like if you're in the crowd for, for those games, I know a couple of them are against the Marlins. So obviously, you know, I think you're, you're kind of hoping that you're not beating the Marlins by a run or whatever it is, but being at those moments is is always really special and just such a fun atmosphere to, to be at. I remember growing up, like you know, and watching some not so good Cubs teams and, and thinking, man, it would be cool to be at a walk off home run one day like that. That just seems amazing. <laughs> and since 2015, the, the Cubs have provided so many of those amazing finishes and moments. So I think those always stand out, you know, really regardless of, of how the team is playing or whatever else we're worried about. And and then I think, you know, another one that stands out and I'm sure we're we're missing some uh, that, you know, maybe would deserve honorable mention. But I, I think Alzali's debut was one of them that that was just uh, tipping the cap. Yes. Yeah, and I mean just, you know, how electric his performance was. I remember, you know, going between the the TV broadcast and the radio and Pat Hughes and Ron Coomer just getting like kind of more and more hyped as he was striking guys out and and delivering this performance and you know, I think yeah. just cool to, you know, especially for someone like Alzali, just to have that moment, make his debut, and it be so successful, and how proud he was, and how happy he was to have the crowd cheering for him, and, and just be able to soak in that moment. So I, I think there, there there's definitely been some, some very exciting moments for this team. Uh, you know, there's been some lows, for sure. I don't like watching this team kick the ball around and, and do some of the stuff that we've seen more frequently than we'd like, but you know, again, they, they, they do find themselves in first place. There have been a lot of 
fun moments, a lot of very hype moments, and I, I hope that we have a lot more of those in store in this in the second half here as the Cubs and Joe Madden-led teams are typically, uh, they, they show up, they, they, you know, they put their the, the pedal to the metal in the second half, so I think we're all hoping that that is what we see. But, Brendan, I, I want to turn to the offense and just kind of give a, a, a lay of the land of how guys have performed, and you know, again, like a lot of this stuff, if you've been listening since the start of this season, if you've been listening to us for years now, you know, we, we've, we've talked about a lot of this. I mean, typically we don't let this stuff go undiscussed uh, for very long, right? Uh, but I think as we get ready for the second half, it, it's good to just look back and, and see where guys are, see the performances that they've been getting, and, uh, you know, just kind of see how we feel. So I, I think looking at the offensive leaderboard, Brendan, here on, on Fangraphs, uh, there is a familiar name atop the the leaderboard in terms of basically almost every major offensive category. I mean, not necessarily uh, home runs and RBIs. It's, it's, you know, really kind of a toss-up between these two guys. But if you're looking at things like uh, WOBA, WRC+, OPS, wins above replacement, uh, the name that will come on the top of your leaderboard is one, Christopher Lee Bryant who is having a fantastic season. Uh, He is putting up numbers that are rivaling his MVP season in 2016. He is really threatening to put up some career highs in these regards. He has a 955 OPS, which is really, really good. He has been one of the overall most valuable position players in Major League Baseball, and that's pretty much the story with Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, I, I know that a lot is is being made currently about his numbers with runners in scoring position. Uh, but I, you know, I think as I've said on here before, I, I think when we get into what the top guys aren't doing perfectly, I think we've kind of lost sight of what might actually be issues and and stuff that we can fix with this team. So I think you know, for me overall, KB has been phenomenal, and that's really all I care about. Uh, it was interesting to hear him at the All-Star break kind of go over. I don't know if you, you heard this interview, Brendan, but... No, I did, yeah. I was about to mention Just that how, you know, he's kind of in the same boat. It, it, it was really telling to me that he said, uh, and, I, and I think this might have been on NBC Chicago with Kelly Krull, and, and he was just saying how, you know, when he looks back at the end of the year, there might be five games where he goes back into the clubhouse and, and feels really good about what he did, and, and he He's just one of those guys where the rest of them aren't good enough for him. Um, so, you know, obviously I think that's <laughs> kind of an unfair position to be putting himself in, but he, you know, that's just kind of how he is that, you know, even when he's winning MVPs, he's not satisfied unless he's driving in every run and getting a hit every time and being as productive as someone humanly can possibly be. Uh, and that's why he's so good. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. Little did I know that when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. 
you, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. And following Chris on the leaderboards are Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Jason Hayward, David Bodie, Kyle Schwarber, Addison Russell, Victor Caratini, and Albert Almora Jr. That is kind of your top 10 of the guys getting the most regular playing time. You'll notice uh, that Daniel Descalso's name did not come up in that list, and that is because he has been a sub-replacement level player. Uh, So this is sorted by position player war, and we've got some pitchers on here. We've got uh, Ben Zobrist, who hasn't played in a couple months, but uh, those guys are not negative. So... Yeah, Daniel Descalso does not show up Still there. on the team. Um, but I, I think what really stands out here, and, and we've talked about this before, and, and I think it relates to their overall performance, that they're getting really good seasons from especially those top five guys. Uh, and, you know, that being KB, Javi, Wilson, Rizzo, and Jason Hayward. Jason Hayward, who is putting up some of the best numbers on offense that we've seen from him in a Cubs uniform. And, you know, these are all guys that are putting up really nice numbers. Uh, You know, in terms of WRC+, Javi's at 123, Wilson's at 141, Rizzo's at 135, Hayward at 110. So, you know, those guys are all well above league average, putting up some big seasons. Javi is currently the team leader in RBIs with 62. He is also the team leader in home runs with 22. So, you know, I think that that kind of maybe illustrates the frustration that that a lot of us are having with this team where you're looking at those top five performances in particular and thinking, man, like if I had seen these numbers at the beginning of the year, I would think that the Cubs are in a really good position. And they are in first place, but you know, four games over getting, uh, you know, potentially Chris Bryant's best season. Javi Baez, you know, right now on pace to put up uh, a seven-war-ish season. Uh, You know, Wilson Contreras, you know, being one of the better hitters in in the league, especially from the catcher position for the majority of this season here. Rizzo doing his thing and, and Hayward kind of breaking out a little bit, you know, relative to him. I think you'd be probably expecting a, a better overall result here, Brendan. Correct me if I'm wrong. For Hayward, he's likely the most surprising hitter of, of the bunch who just rattled off. I, a lot of people will say Contreras given that power surge, but we knew Contreras had this in him in 2017 before he injured his hamstring. That's not really a surprise. For Hayward, what's most surprising about his performance is that walk rate. So he, typically as a Cub... He's walked in around 8% of plate appearances, but this year in 2019, he's walking in 12% of plate appearances. That's a pretty big uptick, and at the same time, we know the power. 14 homers in only 332 plate appearances. That is way beyond any mark he's had in any previous season as a Cub. 2018, he was at 8. 2017, he was at 11. In 2016, that bad year, he was at 7. So he's hitting for more power, he's taking more pitches, taking his walks, and he's striking out more probably because he's giving up a little bit more to get that power, which is what you want to see. So I think there's one question that persists with me and Hayward is whether or not this can continue. I think those are a lot of fair questions that many fans share as well. And to be honest, I, I don't know. I think the walk rate being so high, he's 
only swinging at a little bit fewer pitches outside the strike zone. So I don't know if that walk rate is going to continue because his overall peripherals, they're not that different from a plate discipline point of view. But at the very least, if this is what a Hayward's going to do, you know, slug, still have a decent batting average, he's around 266 right now, not bad, and take his walks, that's more or less what Theo signed him up for with $23 million per year. That is kind of where he's at production-wise, and I'm fine with that. So I think there's there's many ways to look at this. You can be surprised about Hayward and encouraged by that, and you kind of expected Rizzo and KB and Javi to do their thing, and you hoped that Wilson would come back and stabilize, but other than those guys, everyone else has been a huge disappointment, which has kind of put a damper on everyone else's positive performances. For sure. I, I think we're, you know, kind of in the same place here. I, I do just want to go back and, and really drive home this point. Uh, you know, I think you guys know, we say this all the time, we don't stand for Chris Bryant's slander on the Cubs related podcast. And I, I do just want to make yeah. it clear. Um, this would be the highest OPS of his entire career. Uh, this would be the highest WOBA of his career. He would be tied for his MVP season in terms of WRC plus right now with a 148 WRC plus. It would be the second highest walk rate of his career and the second lowest K rate of his career. So Chris Bryant is having an exceptional season. Uh, like I said, we can nitpick what every single player doesn't do perfectly. And, you know, he, he, he gets you know, not the same numbers as he normally puts up when, you know, runners in scoring position in 2019. Do you think this is a fair criticism, though? Like, I've seen arguments from both sides, and I can understand people who are not thrilled with his at-bats with the runners in scoring position. So I I do think it's fair to talk about, and you know me, I'm not going to slander Chris Bryant. No, I don't don't think that's that's slander. I just think that some people take that argument too far, right? It just gets taken too far. And you and I have discussed this where, you know, people say that he's not clutch. And I totally reject that notion. Like maybe his numbers and exact, like, I don't know, but he has so many clutch hits for this team in the biggest spots, like ever. Some of the biggest spots this franchise has ever been in. Right. So I think think the notion that he's unclutch is not fair. I mean, I wrote a post on CubsInsider.com that quite literally took 20 examples of clutch base hits over his career in the eighth inning or beyond to either tie the game or take the lead. 20 different examples, Corey. So he's not on clutch. But I do think, if we're going to be honest, some of the abats have just not looked like his typical self with men, yeah. you know, off base, which is a fair, which is a fair point to talk about. Yes. But I think, but I don't think it's something to be you know, engrossed by because yeah, Chris Bryant is Chris Bryant and he's going to eventually come through in those spots because he's just too good not to. Yeah. And I mean, I think, look, like the, the fact of the matter is that when you are at that level, you get discussed at that level. And then this is what happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to be at the top of the heap, you got to take criticism like someone at the no top doubt. of the heap. So this, you know, this is just something that we see uh, from everybody. And, you know, like even the, like you look at someone like Yelich or Cody Bellinger, like the seasons that those guys are having, they're going to be under the same scrutiny. People don't, you know, it's, it's sports in general is, is very much a, 
you can be having the best season ever, but if you fail in a spot where the team needs you, then that's what people are going to focus on. That's just kind of the nature of the game and, you know, I think fandom as a whole. So I, I definitely think it's it's fair to point it out, but I just think people get carried away. Like, we're, we're talking, he's the best player on the Cubs, right? Like, so you can make whatever argument you want, you can nitpick whatever you want, but I think some people lose sight of the fact that we are talking about the best player the Cubs have. And maybe that statement there riles some of you up. I know, like, you know, some of the uh, leading members of the Javi Baez fan club are probably staring daggers at me right now, Uh, but I'm more than happy to live and back up that statement. So, and also we're splitting hairs there, but yeah. Yeah, but I think Chris Bryan might be the most well-rounded player I've ever seen grace a Cubs uniform. No pun intended with Mark Grace there. But no, seriously, I I do think from a positional flexibility point of view, from base running, power, contact, walks, there's no holes in this guy's game. Like, none whatsoever. I think if we're so if, I think if we're talking like most well-rounded, I, you know, I'm probably going to take John Lester, but that's a Yeah, I mean multi-positional discussion. player, athlete, right. got a great swing. I can see Anthony it. Rizzo see who it. does have a 0 ERA for his career, also a wonderful first baseman and hitter. So right. I think right. there is debate for that if we're talking well-rounded. But regardless, we're getting in the weeds here. The point Daniel is Daniel Descalso can pitch too. Yeah, you know, we have a oh, few yeah. of them. Brendan, come on with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think like the, the, the point and, and the reason that we're, we're down this rabbit hole and that we're even doing this is because I, I really do think it's important not to lose sight of how good Chris Bryan is. Like Brendan said, no doubt. I think talking about those numbers and even just pointing out like in 2019, like he has not come through in a lot of those spots like you would want him to. Some of the at-bats don't look as good. I get it, and I and I think it's totally fair to at least discuss this stuff and have an honest discourse about it. But I, I do just want to make sure we don't lose sight of the fact that, like, right now he's in the middle of a season that looks better than the one where he won an MVP. And I, and I don't think that that's something that we should take lightly as fans or something that we should forget. So looking at the opposite end of the spectrum here, and that is from some of the guys that are not necessarily performing as well as we would like. And there's a couple guys that are like kind of in that middle ground, I think. Um, you know, you look at someone like like Kyle Schwarber, who has had some really good stretches and, you know, overall on the season right now is sitting just below league average uh, in terms of WRC plus. He's right at 98, uh, but he's hit 18 home runs. He's driven in 43 runs. He scored 45 runs. And again, like I think for for large stretches, he's put up some really good numbers. But, you know, I think there is still that sense of, you know, does he feel like that player we were all expecting him to be or you know certainly that like this front office hyped him up to be at times you look at someone like David Bodie who again he's sitting right around league average in terms of his overall production uh he's had again similarly really great stretches where you know Brendan and I are clamoring like this guy needs to play second base every day I don't care about anything else and he's had some stretches like the one he's in now where you know he's got an OPS that's around like 600 he Everybody in the ballpark knows that a high fastball is coming, and everybody, including David, it seems, knows that he's going to swing right through it. So, you know, you just have some of these guys where you're you're trying to figure out exactly what 
you have there and, and you know, what your expectation is. Uh, I think someone we've talked about, Victor Caratini, has done a really nice job as the backup catcher. Uh, not a, a move that Brendan or I were particularly thrilled at going into the year. Uh, I think we were in that camp kind of hoping for more of a veteran, but Caratini has served up a lot of crows so far this season, uh, and he's earned the praise. You know, like his numbers are really good. Uh, he's got a 295, 367, 511 slugging percentage. It's only a 98 plate appearance, but his, but he's a backup catcher, so that's what it's going to be. He's been performing in those spots. He's hit some, some big home runs. Uh, he, you know, he's driven in 16 runs in, you know, not that many starts. So I think, uh, and and his relationship with some of these pitchers is really evident. You know, he's developed a nice relationship here over the years with Cole Hamels. Uh, he's gotten in there with some of these other guys and, you know, looks pretty good behind the plate from a, from a framing and receiving perspective. So kudos to Victor. Um, you know, and then you've got Addison Russell, who's right around being the below league average hitter. He always has been, uh, so no surprise there. And Albert Amora, who's in a really rough stretch. There, there's really no other way to put that. He's at a... He's, he's the most confusing yeah. of that bunch. I, I, sure. I think so. So that's kind of the the where the offense sits right now. The, the Cubs have been way more, I, I think, optimistic and open about their expectation that Ben Zobrist is going to be back on this team at some point. Uh, in the last couple weeks, we've heard Theo on the radio a few times. And, you know, at the beginning of this process with his, you know, personal issue that he's been dealing with, it was, we don't know. We'll see. We're going to work with him. We're going to give him the space that we needs, and we hope he comes back. But over the last, what, maybe week, two weeks, it's been we expect him to be back. We are thinking he is going to be back and, and contributing to this team. So obviously, that's a factor here. Robel Garcia called up. There's a lot going on here, Brendan, but like the, the difference between, I think, like those top five guys and again, like I think Schwarber could be in that group. He he's not performing as well as those other five guys on the whole for the 2019 season. But I but I, he's not living up to those no. But I, I do think that there's a, a good bit to like in what he's he's been doing. Uh, but there yeah. there does seem to be kind of a clear difference between okay, this top group is performing and really performing at a high level right? Like these guys should be ultimately like part of an offense that is not giving us so much angst. But then you look at this, this sort of bottom group. And again, did, you know, Discalso is included in this. Again, I, I can't, he's not on this leaderboard because this is only guys that are above replacement level. So if I forget to read his name, it's because he's literally not on this list. Uh, but I think that the the difference in these two groups and and obviously the lack of consistent production if we as we've said over and over again from that that bottom portion of guys is kind of where the I think the the magnifying glass is for a lot of us here. Well, a lot of the guys too, they're having bizarre seasons that are driven by inconsistent stretches. I mean, each one of those names you read off, you can go back and you know, very vividly, they had those hot stretches. Elmora had that brief power stretch. Schwarber, same thing, starting in Arizona early on. It continued for a few weeks. And that's partially why we're so perturbed, because it goes back to what we were saying last episode. Can you reliably project offense after Contreras Bass in the fifth slot? And for Hayward, maybe, maybe not. But even after Hayward, you don't know what you're going to get with Bodie. You have no idea what you're going to get with Russell or anyone else. And I think that's kind of the 
the topic of discussion that's that's muting out everything else that's being good right now. And as far as Schwarber goes, yeah, he's not living up to those expectations. He's been going through different adjustment phases this season. I'm not losing that much confidence in him, to, to be honest with you. I've liked his different adjustment phases. I think the power coming there is good to see. I think the the aggressiveness at leadoff spot is still good to see. I like that. But I can still empathize with fans who are not happy with how he's performed. He's been a little bit above league average, but he's been hyped to be a guy who's going to hit, you know, 40 or so home runs and have a top bat in the league. So I, I, I get that. For Amora and the rest of the crew and the outfield in, in particular, I'm still waiting for an outside the organization acquisition. I just don't think you can be excited and optimistic about Al's power, but I don't think you can rely on that. I think the play discipline has been an issue. And Ian Happ and AAA, you have no idea when he's going to be back up or if he can even be a contributor to this team this year. And that's where the angst is, right? I, I think we're past a point where you want to give guys more opportunities. And I, I it sucks to say, but I think we're at the point now where you have to make some decisions. And does that, that does not mean, hey, should we trade Elmore? Should we trade Schwarber? Because those are difficult to project as well. Who can you get back for those guys at this current stage? But rather, instead, should Schwarber be playing exclusively almost every day? First time in his career he's done this. Or should they go outside the organization and not just get one hitter, Maybe get two, maybe get two outfielders and kind of split time and, you know, kind of divide up the different types of, of a bats at leadoff and after the fifth spot as well. So there's many ways to go about looking at this. My confidence in the lineup as we took a few days off, I kind of can, I can dwell on some of the issues and maybe I'm more confident than I was five days ago, but I still think we're in a position now where like time's up like we can't keep giving these guys so many opportunities and expecting different results in july in august going into september the division's too close for that Corey, and we can't lose another one of these win windows when the division is struggling i think that's ultimately the biggest surprise of the season is essentials not as good as you thought it was going to be and they were they were projected to be the, the most difficult division in the league this year Corey. They're not. Milwaukee struggled. St. Louis has struggled. The Cubs have struggled. So that's kind of where the story is at. And to capitalize on that might mean going outside the organization and reducing some of the opportunities these young guys have. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've said this before, but it's pretty telling when you hear on pretty much any interview that the front office guys are doing, they, they mention position player depth directly, right? Yeah. So again, like not everything that they say in an interview is gospel, but I, I don't think that they would be drawing attention in individual interviews, not with one another, to the same issue repeatedly if it wasn't something that they were serious about and something that, you know, I think kind of getting fans to expect like we might see some changes here and I've said before that I know with some of these guys you're you're always going to feel that some of these guys didn't get the the fair shake that they needed to really break out especially when you when you love a guy and I, and I always bring up the Albert Almora fan club because it's very strong right but there's always going to be a sense from from people especially when you love the guy that he needed everyday playing time, no question asked for a sustained period. 
And if you don't give that to uh, a young player, you never know what's in there, right? And especially in a season like we're seeing from someone like Tommy LaStella, for example, right? Like, that's what a lot of people will point to. They'll say, you know, he didn't really have a place on the Cubs to play every day. I don't necessarily lament them not doing that, but he goes over, he plays every day, the Angels give him a chance, and, you know, he's he's putting in an incredible season, an all-star worthy season, right? So I think that's like... An I, don't, I don't think it's as simple as No, that, no, no, no. Though. I'm not... I'm yeah. not making that argument. I'm saying that I think that that is what people will point to, that that there is a, a clear example of someone who was on the Cubs that didn't get everyday playing time who is putting together a valuable season, right? So I just think that that's something that, that people may call upon as an example. But the, the, the point that I'm making is kind of what you just said, Brendan. You run out of time for that. And when you're in a division that is this tight, and whether everybody is playing really well in the division or really poorly, beating up on each other, it doesn't really matter, right? It's tight. Everybody is in this division. Everybody in this division has a legitimate case to make that they believe they can be buyers at the deadline and they think that they can win the division, right? It's not crazy for any of them. So you're just in a place where you're getting big good performances from your top guys and you're you're kind of being let down by some of these other guys and there there really just reaches a limit on how long you can go for that and you know we've seen guys like Russell and Almora in particular guys who are, are giving you a good glove but are, are not where you necessarily need them to be or want them to be on offense and those guys can fit on a team we we've seen the cubs play exceptional defense throughout this, uh, you know, few year run that we're on here. It's not something that is new, right, for this lineup to have guys that are glove first, primarily giving you defense, and you take what you get on offense. But right now, you just kind of feel like you have to be asking yourself, how many guys like that can we have on the bench? How many guys like that can we putting, you know, can we be putting in the lineup on a daily basis? And, you know, right now it really just feels like the need for consistent offense is more pressing. And so my expectation here is that we see some of these guys, you know, get a chance to show something as we come out of the break here. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ian Happ at at some point. He's on a bit of a hot streak, and I know his overall numbers in the minors haven't been great, uh, but just part of me expects them to at least try that before they they're they're going out and making moves but I could be wrong on that I I would think I mean we're we're three weeks away yeah oh no I'm talking a very short period of time yeah no I know even then like what like no I'm not I'm not I'm not criticizing you but I'm saying you know out loud we're three weeks away even if Hap comes up gives you two or three games you think that's going to drastically change what the front office is going to do I I don't know if that's going to do that we're we're Beyond that, if Hap came up in early June and then gave you two, three weeks worth of success, then yeah, that would be a different yeah. conversation. But it's July 11th, yeah. Corey. No, that's a good point. It's, we're 20 days yeah, away. It's like, a good point. Even if even if somebody shows you something, you, you do have to wonder how much they they would buy into it. Obviously, Robel Garcia getting a shot here as we went to the break, and I would expect to to see him out there, you know, 
pretty frequently uh, as we go forward here. You know, you're, you're giving him a shot. You're seeing if he can carry over what he was doing in the minors. You, you might as well just see how long that lasts, uh, you know, until it doesn't, if it doesn't, right? So that's kind of where we are with the offense. And again, you know, Theo Epstein has been very clear that this is going to be an area that they're going to be looking at and, and probably looking to address. So I, I think something to watch over the next few weeks as we are on a collision course with the trade deadline. But we are going to talk about the pitching. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about with the starters, with the relievers, and we will be doing that in a separate episode. Like we've said, uh, over the course of this week, we kind of just figured we would pump out the content for you guys. So the, you know, no Cubs games. Uh, obviously, you have some Cubs in the All-Star game, but I'm not really sure that satiates us Cubs fans as, as we go four days without the Cubs playing a game. Uh, so we will have a little more for you and, you know, then we'll include obviously the preview of the pirate series that you can listen to on Friday morning before the Cubs take the field in the afternoon. Uh, so we hope you guys have enjoyed all this content. Uh, you know, obviously delving into something a little different on Tuesday with the, the minor league episode and, you know, getting ready for the second half here. So we will obviously once the, the second half gets into gear here, be back on our, our, our regular uh, Monday morning, and then whenever the Cubs finish that midweek series schedule. And that's pretty much what we have for you. So yeah, we hope you've kind of enjoyed this this Cubs-related All-Star break special that we've been uh, having all week long. It's It's been fun for us to do, so hopefully it is enjoyable for you guys. And other than that, we will talk to you again very soon. Uh, and whether it is the All-Star break or we are back for the second half, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. Little did I know when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's, it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Behind every company, there's a time-tested engine keeping it moving. After earning his master's in accounting degree online from Grand Canyon University, Isaac's helping drive his client's business forward by identifying efficiencies and building business models. He's become a core team member, keeping clients on budget and ensuring their success. What do you think accounting careers look like? GCU offers over 175 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.